to Burkamp Wonderland and Arsenal podcasts. My name is Carl. We don't really do host here, but I'm the one that's going to be um, asking the questions to these lovely panellists today. Because um, at ABW, we are all equal. Just some of us are a bit more equal than others. Um, talking of being more than others, the man who is always here and has to be here, and without this podcast, it would never happen, Daniel, the GFP. Danny, once I kick it off, what did you have for dinner today? I had two big mouthfuls of camembert, a dozen grapes, four four cherries, one of which was a bit manky, and then I had a litre of water and a pink lady apple. Aren't you lactose intolerant? Only for strong cheddar, as I've now found out to my uh, to my my ex, um, my own cost. But so other cheeses, full fat cheeses seem to be okay. I'm all right on the Edam and the Cannonbear, made made from cannons by real bears. So I've been told. And tonight, tonight <coughs> I might splash out and have uh, a couple of roast potato, jacket potatoes, and a tin of tuna. So if we see you wheeling off to the toilet anytime soon, we won't ask any questions. No, oh, no problems at all. Good. How are you? Oh, God, I am very, very well. Um, just enjoying Twitter. Like, it just makes me laugh to some <laughs> of the people, but we'll go into that later. Um, another person who I met from Twitter will be, uh, hello, Femi, Femstar82. How are you? Hey, 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 what's going on? Good to be here. Um, yeah, it's been a minute since I've done one with this group of people, so I'm looking forward to it. How's your, you uh, doing like trips to... Uh, Seeing England under 15s playing Scotland. Well, you stayed in the same hotel as them. How was that? Yeah, I stayed in uh, St. George's Park. It's really, really nice. Man. Um, I, I don't know how. I'm going to actually look up how much they spent on that facility during the show. Like, it's it's so impressive. Uh, it's crazy, man. It's like wasn't good enough to get us to beat Italy then, was it? <laughs> but they weren't staying there, were they? They were staying at Tottenham's training ground, so they had that losing feeling staying there, didn't they? No, I did England stay at St. James's. I'm saying when, um, when they were in London, they were at Tottenham's training ground. <laughs> oh, God, well, that's what you get, isn't it? That's, that's what you get. Uh, and the man who's going to bring calm to this uh, podcast, because the man who sees rose tinted glasses at Arsenal... Hello, John. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, it's been a while since we've been on the pod together, so it's nice to be on. And yeah, I'll try and be the positive one for a change. Spin things around a bit. Uh, so I'm going to stick with you, John, because I need to start this uh, start this off on a, on a positive note. So uh, first game of the season, you know, <laughs> Premier League is back. We are happy. Everyone is in a joyful mood. Um, you know, it's coming up to the evening and everyone looks at Twitter and sees David Ornstein's tweet. And it says that the first game of the season, we'll be playing Brentford. Our two main strikers, Aubameyang, and also, like I said, are not in the squad. Uh, just first of all, when you saw that, what was your first initial thoughts? Um, at first I was like, wow, okay, that's really weird. Um, immediate conspiracy theories of oh, we found magically found a buyer for both of them and we've got a striker coming in and it's so they don't get injured and, uh, injured and don't scupper the deal or anything. Um, and then I think I got a message from Simon, uh, Mr Collins, because he was at the game doing it for the paper, um, and he said that they were both ill. Oh, is he, then I saw Arteta's 
pre-match presser and it was a bit weird at first, just the way he sort of spoke about it, didn't really say anything. Um, Simon said as much at the time, he said, oh, I think it's COVID. That's sort of the whisper going around, but he didn't want to say anything because it wasn't official and like medical stuff is all private, so you can't really talk about it. Um, turns out that was the case in the end. But it, before the game, it kind of got me excited because I thought, oh, okay. At first I thought, oh, is going to play. Then I remembered he was injured. I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, okay, Balogun's going to get a chance, maybe. Maybe Martinelli. Maybe Saka will start the game, which probably wasn't going to be the original plan. I didn't really know what was going on with William at the time. So I was just excited to see what the lineup was going to be. Um, but I still sort of went into the game a bit hopeful because Lacazette and Aubameyang preseason haven't been great. No, I agree. And I think you, you and I are exactly the same because when I heard that those weren't playing, the first thing I thought was, oh, Balogun is going to play. And, you know, this is a guy who from last season, we was itching for him to get a chance. We really wanted him to play. And he only played sort of a handful of appearances in the um, in the Europa League. And, you know, we really wanted to give him a chance just to see what he could do. Um, Femi, when you saw the team line up, was that probably as close to a first team as we could, given the absences of our two main strikers? Um, I mean, I, I couldn't have. I was, I was a bit surprised by some of the decisions when you look at the lineup. Um, I mean, you guys thought Balogun. I, I honestly thought Martinelli would play and Saka would play, but. Fair enough, Saka might not have been fit, so then you've got another dilemma, don't you? So, yeah, it was as close to the first team that we could have picked <laughs> as, as as probably we would have hoped for anyway. I mean, looking at the bench, there wasn't much that I would have switched out from the bench to the first team, let's put it like that, to the team that started. And that, yeah, probably paved the way for the, the rest of the game, I would say. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll crack on to the game, Um we didn't start the best, to be honest, in the first half. We were kind of being dominated and Balogun's first game of the season, first game, first start for Arsenal, you can kind of understand that he's up against two big championship playing defenders and they're going to bully him. You know, Balogun wasn't used to probably that physicality at all, one little bit. Danny, did you... In the first half, did you think that obviously we get better in the second half, or did you think, well, this is obviously a very big wake up call for Balogun and the rest of the team? Well, when I saw the lineup, I thought, well, are, are we playing three at the back and maybe play Pepe wide and, and Tierney wide on the other side because they played a 3 5 2? And then I thought it's going to be Lacongo and Jacu in midfield, which we all know. And then, like you, I thought maybe Martinelli would play up front and Balogun would play off him. Some combination of all of that lot, and they didn't. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, every time, the only attacking option we had was Tyranny to go down the left. And then he'd run down the left, he'd cross it, and everybody would look up and go, there goes the ball. And then it'd go down and it'd land on the other side to Pepe. And then Pepe would give it back to Lokonga, and Lokonga would give it to Xhaka. Then Xhaka would give it to Tyranny. Tyranny would run up the wing and cross it, and everyone would go, there goes the ball. And as someone on, on YouTube referred to it, the Arsenal donut of shame recycling recycling over and over and over and at some point you must have thought well run through the middle so occasionally we'd see smith row go through the middle and and, and try and do it but then we we way with arteta when he was first in charge 
our counterattacks is what made us special. And I, then I thought, well, that's not working. We're going to have to do the counterattack. So we'd start the counterattack, and rather than get the ball, run, everybody, run, 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 they'd all jog, pass it, pass it slowly, jog a bit more, and then by then the entire Brentford defence, so we'd have 11 people behind the ball. And then they, we'd do, do a shitty pass, and then they'd get the ball, take it off us, and they'd go and have an attack. And then we'd get the ball back, and then Leno would go, right, I'm going to play out from the back. Oh, everyone's forgotten how to play out from the uh, Lad, do No? Play out from the... And everyone doesn't want it. And then there'd be short balls. And then we then we go through the, the, the donut of shame. And then you, it's the same thing over and over. And then one other thing that I did notice from the game, Ben White, who uh, who is referred to on Twitter as the um, the seaside Mustafi, <laughs> which I thought was fantastic, <laughs> whoever you were, well done, that quite often he'd come out because a ball-playing ball centre-back, is, which is what we want, and he, he gets the ball and he comes out. And it comes into where the Jack and the Jacker should be. But then a couple of times he got caught out. He couldn't get back quick enough. Chambers comes from right back to cover at centre back. And then Pepe's going, I, I, I don't do I don't do tackling. That's not my job. What do you want me to do? And he'd just run back there and he'd stand there or Laconga would come across and leave holes in midfield. And then then they'd have a tack and then they'd have a shot. So I'm thinking, surely at some point this has got to change. You know what, Carl? It didn't. No. Um and they scored. So, John, let's talk about the goal. So, from what I can remember, they come from a, one of their corners. Um, corner yeah. came, came, corner came in. Um, I think they had a shot. It got saved, and it came out to their left. So, uh, their their left, our right, yeah. and I think Canos sort of um, had a shot and kind of went near the near post. Um, <laughs> when that happened, did you? <laughs> As positive as you are, sometimes you put your head in your hands and just think, "Here we go again." Um, I mean, I was chatting to one of my mates at the time, and I said, "Oh, watch," because he doesn't really watch anything outside the Premier League. And I said, "As soon as Brentford got corner, I said, watch what they do at corners. This is bizarre. You've never seen a team do this because they put every player, near almost every player, in the box. I think they have two just outside it. They don't have anyone on the halfway line. They don't have anyone back or whatever." Um, and they really pressure the box and attack it in a way that I haven't seen teams do for, for a long time. Um, and it works. It's high risk, but it works because if you don't clear the ball properly, which we didn't, we did not clear it properly at all, they can recycle it quickly. You're sort of all out of shape. You're going to be the, the offside trap's not going to be there or anything else. You can't get out quick enough. And they took advantage of it. Um, I think it was just a poor combination of Marie, who had a really bad night, not winning his header. Um, I think Chambers, who didn't clear it properly, probably could have let it go out for another corner. So I think it would come off an Arsenal player when he went to clear it. And then I saw some people giving Lano stick because it was his near post. Honestly, I just thought the speed of the shot and like the player's legs it came through and stuff, I'm not sure there's a ton he could have done. I don't think Leno was particularly great that game. Um, not in terms of his shot stopping, I actually thought it was okay. It was more his playing out from the back. Um but it didn't overly surprise me. I thought Brentford would have caused us problems. And look, I know everyone's freaking out over this game. It's the first game of the season. You're playing away to Brentford, a team that have got a brand new stadium and their fans have not been able to... Like, no fans have been in stadiums, basically, for over a year. This is the first time they've got to go there. This Brentford team is way better than everyone gives them credit for. They are going to cause a ton of upsets this season. Every year we see it, people write off... All three teams that come up from the Championship... Say, oh, they'll do nothing. They'll just like, if they can keep themselves in the league, it will be good. It wouldn't surprise me if Brentford ended up something like 10th by the end of the season. 
they could do a Leeds or Sheffield United, you know, when they first come up. Because they're a really well-organised team. They're really drilled. They're very experienced. And this Arsenal team, like, I'm not I'm not trying to make excuses, but you're missing, let's see, Lacazette, Aubameyang, Partey, Gabriel and Saka. That's five players from a starting lineup. That all, if they were fit and available, probably every single one of those are starting the game. That's five of your players and three of those, at least, are right down the spine of your team. That that ain't going to help. Like, Marie was awful on the night. He got really, really found out. The, the, the other thing as well, well, I've said this for years, centre-backs are not used to playing against two strikers. just doesn't happen anymore. If you've got two people you're playing against, you're going, oh, hang on a minute, I've got Mark this guy and there's another bloke over there that I've sort of got to keep half an eye on because I've got to hope that the centre-back next to me, who I've got hardly any experience of playing with, is actually going to cover him properly. You're going to get torn apart. I, I don't think we played anywhere near as badly in this game as everyone said. Um, Balogun looked well out of his depth. And that's not me having a pop at him. He's a kid. He hasn't played against men. He needs to go out and, and go out on loan somewhere, whether it's Championship or Premier League Club, whatever, and get minutes and bulk up. Because he was just getting rumbled by three really good centre-backs who are probably going to embarrass quite a lot of strikers this season. Um so I, I don't think it's the end of the world. It was disappointing in the way we conceded that goal. Not as bad as the second one. That was awful. That was really scored. Wasn't that a foul on Leno? No. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, arguably that is a foul. But if I'm Leno, I'm grabbing that player and throwing him on the floor because I'm a Technic- player. Yeah, technically yeah. it's a foul. But yeah. I mean, he has to do something there. I mean, if that's, that, if that's that a good could... keeper, Edison's pushing him out of the way, Kepa, any of those kind of guys, isn't they? They're just battering him out of the way. I mean, yeah, I, I, see, I'm looking at it from both sides uh, of the coin. As, as an Arsenal supporter, I'm saying it's a foul, definitely. But uh, if I'm looking at it from my, my football hat on, I'm going to say Leno, yeah, I, I agree with you, John. Leno should be pushing him mm. out of the way. Like, he's not going to... If the goalkeeper pushes the player, he, he's not going to be a penalty. So nobody's worried yeah. about that. They're not... It's just not they're going to call it, you know, inbox just roughhousing, they're getting pushed, um, everyone's getting pushed, everyone's sort of barging each other. So I don't know if Leno was worried about, oh, if I push him, it's going to be a foul. But, uh, you know, the defenders need to also protect him a little bit more. I mean, Ben I mean, White, the defenders uh, should clear the first ball. The fact you let a ball bounce in your box from a throw-in is absolutely awful. That That is criminal. That's really bad defending. But again, that was Marie all night. He was not good. Ben White, aerially, is not his biggest strength. And that is a problem. But I do think that's part of the reason why Chambers was at right back, to try and give them a bit more protection on those set pieces because he is better in the air. I think this is why he'd be better with Gabriel. Maybe, like Danny said, there was an argument for playing three at the back for that game and putting Holding in as well as an extra one just to shore things up until everyone was available. Then why but, did you pick Mark Maria over Holding? This team aren't... Because he's left-footed and, and holding, oh. holding isn't. <laughs> And Holding can't distribute the ball as well. It's true. He hasn't. I know he's played occasionally that side, but it's not his strength. And he likes to have a left and a right foot. And I understand because it's the way he wants to play. And I don't have a. I don't have a massive issue with that. I don't think if you put Holding in that team, it makes a massive difference to the result. The, the the problem with that game is that we didn't have anyone on the pitch who could take a chance. So we, we had like twenty something shots in the game, and no one put one away. I mean, I saw that twenty-something shot stats, and what, what, which ones actually stood out to you? The Pepe one, 
Um, Xhaka's uh, chance. I thought that it, that was a really good chance when he put over the bar. And then Smith Rowe, maybe. Yeah. Okay. 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 So like, that's that's three like decent three decent chances. How many do you remember clear cut really good chances for Brentford in the game? Well, I remember quite. I remember a couple that they. I mean, there was one that the guy danced through, <laughs> embarrassed a few of our defenders, and then dragged the shot wide. That was a really good chance. Again, he hit no, the post as well, didn't he? Yeah, that's that's the difference between that's the fine margins, though, isn't it? In Premier League games, if if you take those chances, Brentford could have finished the game five nil. It won a five nil game, but they could have because they had those extra chances. But equally, if Arsenal scored their three chances, we end up winning it three two. Probably not a fair result because Brentford were a better team on the day and deserved the three points. But those little half a second, like, do you get your shot off perfectly? Do you get it under control? Do you like scuff it a little bit? Does the keeper make a great save? Those kind of things that makes the difference in games. And I think if you had as as poor as Lacazette and Aubameyang have been in preseason, I think if they're in the game and you present them with the chances that we did have, maybe one of those goes in. And if we score a goal and it's one all, you, that, that Brentford team, they've got no idea how they're going to react. It's a completely different environment. It's not the championship anymore. You know, um, I think the crowd and everything is a big factor, but I, I just think everyone's playing it way out of proportion for the amount of players that we're missing from the team. But it's it's just typical of Twitter and everything else now. Like right now, it's like instant meltdown. Anything goes wrong, I'm going to lay it all on Edu and Arteta. It's all their fault. Uh, these players aren't good enough. Get them out of the club. Why are we spending this money on Ben White? Why are we going for Ramsdale? Why are we doing it? It's just like, it does my fucking head in. What, like... I love Twitter because I've got to meet some amazing people and like get on the podcast and things like that. But I really do miss the days of when it didn't exist and I'd just go to the pub with my mates and just watch a game and we'd have a whinge or moan about it. If we lost, we'd be happy and celebrating if we won and we'd all be talking absolute shit. It made no fucking sense at the end of the game. The next day we talk about it and then we'd be sensible because we haven't been drinking or fucking up whilst we're watching it. But instead, what happens now is everyone just spews that shit instantly out. Like the second something happens, it's like bang, instant reaction. And no one takes a second to think or analyse or actually watch anything in the game. I just think the whole thing's been blown way out of proportion. Carl, were you surprised at the the, the new rule for, for bookings um, and for fouls? Because it seemed to be, hey, let's bring back the 60s, let's kick and punch. And there was not a single yellow card in that game. The referee was letting everyone get away with everything. I'm just looking... Um, tackles attempted, they got or attack, yeah, they did successful 20 out of 29. We only had successful nine out of 16, and we had a 56% tackle success rate. That's not good enough, but with, with the whole um Leno not clearing the ball, he should have looked at that game because that was far enough into the game to realize that either the referee didn't care about fouls because some of the ones that he let people get away with. So were you surprised with that? The, the new rule on fouling and tackles and stuff? I can. That's going to change very, very soon because <laughs> there were some fouls in that game where how some people didn't get right. a card, I yeah. do not understand. I'll be very honest. Uh, that's for both sides as well, I'll be very honest. So uh, all he's going to take is the first uh, Granite Xhaka tackle and there'll be a yellow card, red card straight away. You can almost guarantee that, unfortunately. But um, yeah, that, that new rule of letting things go, letting things play, mm, it, it's not going to last long. All he's going to take is um, a high-profile manager, like a pet or a, um, or a Tuchel or probably a, a Sean Dyche to, to moan about one of his... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, to moan about one of their players 
uh, getting fouled and nothing happening and then it will change because that's what happens. Um, it's nice to see the game flow, but not at the expense of, you know, telling players, you know, don't do that. Because wasn't it um, in the Tottenham game, I don't want to talk about them, but um, didn't one of their players have like four, is it, who was it? Uh, I can't remember who it was. Had like four fouls uh, on a Man City player and not one card, nothing, nothing happened. And then you end up getting mad in the match because <laughs> um, of the fouls that he had. Um, he's just mad. So, yeah, it will change um, extremely soon. I, I can see it um, coming. Um, Danny, a question to you. We spoke about this um, just briefly. John mentioned it about Ben White getting dominated in the air. Now, if I'm a Premier League manager, if I'm Thomas Tuchel and I watch that Brentford game and I've got Lukaku, on training this week, my tactics will be stand on Ben White, get the ball into Lukaku and dominate him in the air. Like, So do you think there's kind of a worry now that that's what teams are just going to do? They're just going to put a player on Ben White, knock the ball into that player, the player heads it on, knock down shot on goal. Can you see sort of that coming? Because Ivan Tony literally batted him on Friday. He, he was nowhere near sort of winning any headers. So can you see that being a problem going forward? Yeah, but we need to look at the way that it was in, in the glory days for Arsenal. Sol Campbell would be the, the ball-playing one and then Tony Adams would be the one at the back mopping stuff up, elbowing people, letting them know he's there. And so we need to have someone doing that. And Pablo Mari is worried about getting his hair done. He's, he's, he's kind of a, a stylish um, centre-back. He isn't going to go and get stuck in. Bob Holding, big Bob, isn't he's not going to fuck around. He's going to go in there and he's going to look at these new rules for the or lack of rules for the defending and tackling, and he's going to take people out. That's what you need in there. Someone or Gabriel, he's he's a he's a, a, a hard player. He, he'd be good for some, not seeing much of Gabriel, which is worrying me. But all this money we spent on, but you you can't have. You've got to have a hard man, and then you've got to have someone because if he's going to have someone playing the ball out of mid out of defense to the midfield, which Ben White was doing pretty well. In fact, getting the ball going out into midfield and passing it around rather than just doing and um, playing it out straight as a as a centre back. But um, the thing I'm most worried about is playing out from the back because they still can't do it. They all still hate it. There's still confusion. And you look at that when we were doing it. Uh, someone put a video up of Arsenal from the glory days under Wenger. And we'd get the ball and it would be quick, immediate pass. What's wrong, John? All these fuck. Oh, sorry. Revisionism under Wenger is amazing. <laughs> One of the videos that got shared <laughs> yeah. was against some absolute fucking no-name team. They weren't even Basel. They were worse than him. I, I can't even remember the fucking name of them. <laughs> is that some the one where there's that 40 passes? In the Europa League, and it ended up with Giroud getting to the corner flag and crossing it to no one. It was going, oh, glory <laughs> days. Look at the speed of the passing. Brilliant. <laughs> You've got Meza Ozil, Alexis Sanchez, Santi Cazorla on the pitch. Fucking well done. Congratulations. You can pass it around a bunch of farmers and still not score. <laughs> fucking, oh, honestly. Absolute bullshit. <laughs> You know what we did for the last 10 years under Wenger? We won a couple of FA Cups. You know what we've done under two and a bit years under Arteta? Won an FA Cup. Show me the difference. <laughs> Nothing. Arteta's got a worse fucking team. Move on, honestly. The but man isn't here the, anymore. Give it the, up. One, the one thing that I will say um, is there was a, a plan on the Wenger, wasn't there? 
you know, in terms of playing out from the back, it was usually get it to Sanya. What, what that was usually the tactic, wasn't it? Get it to Sanya, and then he he was always he always used to win those those headers. I don't know what's happened. We seem to be. It seems to be a confidence thing. It seems that something's gone wrong. And once that one thing has gone wrong, playing out from the back, it seems to have just fallen to pieces. Like, where I don't know what's going on with Bernd Leno, if his head is in the game or what, what the problem is. But it, it seems like at least once, if not twice a game, he has a moment where I don't know about you guys, but where you got your heart's in your mouth. You're like, what? Is going to happen. <laughs> he doesn't look like he wants to be there, does he? To me. Well, yeah, does it, it, no, we don't like it. Yeah, it, it, I, it's I think bit... the rest of the players do. I just don't think Leno wants to be there, honestly. I don't, I don't think he wants to be there, and that's why they've gone out and bought a goalkeeper. The problem is, is that Leno has probably been told play out from the back, and he's sort of the person who will take an instruction to the letter of the law. And even if that is going to cause danger, he's still going to play out from the back. The, 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 the thing that popped into my head, the game, is the one, do you remember Watford, where Watford absolutely killed oh, us, and we could not play out from the back. But no matter Leno? what... I'm sure it wasn't Leno. Yeah, that it was, was on the Emery. Or was it Czech? Was it, it Czech? wasn't Czech. The one thing I would say to that, Carl, is I don't doubt for a minute that Arteta is very, obviously very keen on playing out from the back because when it works, it's brilliant. And you suck the other team onto you and then it just creates space, you break the line and bang, you've just got massive overloads in so many areas on the pitch. But I'm pretty sure that he probably also says to Leno, if your only pass is to Granite Xhaka, with his back to play and he's got three players on him, don't pass him the fucking ball. Because Arteta is not an idiot. He's an ex-footballer. He's not completely dumb. You know, and You're he right. knows what Xhaka's limitations are. Yeah. So there's no way he's telling Leno to do that. So Leno at some point has got to engage his fucking brain and go, oh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't pass to that guy because he's got quite a lot of people on him and he's not the best <laughs> at turning. Now, if it's Thomas Party, it's a bit different. If it's Xhaka, mm, yeah, no, I'm not going to give it to him. Oh, maybe if I play it out to Kieran Tierney. I know what I'll do. I'll play it to his right foot in a really awkward position so he's got to take it in a really horrible body shape. And don't let him and know like it's coming. And straight off him. It's, you know, I, I, you know the, the whole thing of it's all Arteta's fault. I I, I don't disagree. I it's clearly his style of playing. But players, got players to have to take the responsibility and sometimes go, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a professional footballer. I've been doing this for quite a while. So sometimes I should probably think about what I do before I pass the ball. Do you think it's a fear of making a mistake? I mean, we we can we'll talk about Arteta later, but um, do you got a feeling that of Arteta, if you make a mistake, Arteta's kind of on you? Like, if he has a certain style of play and he wants to, you know, induct his style of play onto Arsenal, and if you don't do that style of play, I mean, Leno is not going to get, I mean, before we signed Ramsdale, he was never going to get dropped because, let's be honest, who's going to come in like to take Leno's place. It was never going to happen. Brunerson was never in a month for Sundays uh, going to come in to replace Leno. It was never going to happen. But it just seems like he's almost nervous. I mean, I agree with Vijan. It doesn't seem like he wants to be there. And maybe it the talk... Czech. Czech didn't want it either. It broke Czech. Made him retire. <laughs> yeah, but Czech was... By then, Czech was old. And Czech knew that this was going to be... That, that season was going to be his last <laughs> season. So, you know, what was... What was going to happen? 
you know, either way, I mean, Leno right now will be playing for a, I mean, let's face it, Leno is going to leave next season. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's happening. Could he leave this window? <laughs> I, I would say no. I because, yeah. I'd say no, just because then we need I to get someone either. else. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get someone else as a goal, as a backup goalkeeper. And I don't see us scrambling around to try and find another backup goalkeeper. Runderson's clearly not good enough and we want to try and get rid of him. Um, the third choice goalkeeper, he's not ready to be a second choice goalkeeper in no way. So I, I think the green was probably there is, you know, let's get Leno, you can be number one this year. And the green is probably there is that we will let you go next season. Whoever bids for you will probably take 25 mil for him. Um, maximum that's I think that's what we'll get for him maybe 20 did and you see the Sheffield United player was being interviewed and he said the reason why Ramsdale is so good because he started his career as a midfielder that's why he's good with the feet he's the ball at his feet and that's the kind of goalkeeper that, that Arteta wants and this, this is the thing Leno, Leno I think one I don't think he particularly wants to be at Arsenal anymore and if he could move this window he probably would doesn't look like it's going to happen because, like Carl said, because it, it, the Ramsdale deal not official yet, but it's basically it's done. Um, should be announced tomorrow if you're listening as we're recording this Thursday night, um, along with Odegaard. But um, there's also there's no competition for him. Ramsdale coming in means it's competition now, and he might be told, yeah, okay, Ramsdale's coming in, and next season he's going to be your replacement, and this season you can play some cup games and stuff. But if he starts doing better than training, then Leno, you're out of the squad. And he could be out for the rest of the season. Might it's not going to happen straight away, but a month or two from now, it might be. No, you know what, Ramsdale, you're in goal. But if you want to get back in the team, you got to play better. And he has to. He's he has got to improve. This is the difference. The difference between him and Czech is Czech was a goalkeeper of an old era where goalkeepers didn't play with their feet. There was only really Manuel Neuer and a few other keepers doing that. Czech came to the end of his career as football was changing and the way he's played. Leno has still got quite a few years ahead of him. And if he goes, assume he goes to the Bundesliga, he's going to have to play with his feet more. So whether he does it at Arsenal or somewhere else, he's got to improve on that aspect of his game because otherwise he's just going to keep dropping down the pecking order. And he and ain't going to be a good team. And if we drop him, we're not worried about him being upset for next season because he's going anyway. So it's for him to put himself in the shop window for a Borussia Dortmund, a Leverkusen, whoever in, in Germany is going to come for him. Dortmund's just and, got a new keeper. I think that he was linked to there, but they've just gone and got a, a number one. I don't see him going anywhere other than like a mid-table team in, in the Bundesliga at the moment. He's not good enough to get in the top teams. But this is what you're saying, like, John, he needs to improve to put himself in the shop window. He has to, because if he then, like you said, if, say, come... October, we're doing shit, and Arteta's like, right, fuck this, I'm going to change the team. And he says, all right, Ramsdale, I'm going to give you a run of five, six games. Like, you are going to be the number one for five, six games. And he ends up doing well. Then Leno is not going to get back into that squad for love nor money. He Because there's no obligation to get into the squad. And if we're trying to blood Ramsdale in for to become our number one, because he will become the number one next season, then start him early. Start him being the number one this season. There's no harm, no foul. Like if I'm, I'm sure there is a gentleman's agreement to to sell Leno next season. I have no doubt. You don't spend the amount of money we're spending on Ramsdale to be a, coming to be a number two. He's going to be the number one at some point. 
I just mm. looked up that um, that Watford. It was Leno in goal in that Watford game. <laughs> um, it's quite fascinating. Uh, that was the game that Watford had thirty-one shots against us, which is oh god, yeah, I remember memorable. that. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, yeah, I do remember that game vividly. It was um, play trying to play out, and we just literally yeah. he passed it to Genduzzi, wasn't it? Yeah, and it just got tackled and scored straight away. And it's just like everyone could see it coming. There wasn't a person in the world he didn't see it coming and they scored well the thing is though you could even see in the Brentford game like Arteta shouting at him at one point and saying Burn don't play it short it's not working you're going to have to go long and that's why they were just trying to hit Pepe because we didn't have anyone else up top to try and hit and we couldn't get the ball to stick because we haven't really got anyone up top you had Balogun who's getting bullied off the ball he's not going to be able to keep it and you've got Martinelli who to be honest I don't think is fully fit and again he's another one who there's no way you start in the game if Aubameyang and Lacazette are available or Saka. So you've got a really inexperienced kid up front who's not going to win it for you. You've got another guy who is still a kid in Martinelli. I know everyone thinks he's the second coming, but you know he hasn't really done a lot for a while. I know he was injured, but he's not fully fit. He's had a tough summer. Um, and we're bringing people like Reese Nelson off the bench. He's not even wanted at the club. That's, that, that's like how shallow our bench was in this game. So, again, that's, that's why I think people are blowing it way out of proportion. I'm not looking forward to Chelsea and Man City. Don't get me wrong. It's a fucking horrible start to the season, which is why I really wanted to win the Brentford game, because at least it's three points to get you on the board. But it, I think it would have it's been just different. shit how it's, how it's worked out. You can't help it. Do you think it would have been different if Brentford, it wasn't their first game in the Premier League and their first game, like you were saying, in, in their new yeah. stadium with a full capacity? No, I do, I do think that is a bigger factor than people are saying. Like getting on for that is huge. Like that is massive. But it was magnificent for football, though, wasn't it? The scenes after. Oh no, like, I loved fantastic. it. Like the, the atmosphere sounded amazing. It's one of those games where, as much as I would have hated seeing it live, it would have been nice to be in the stadium just to feel the atmosphere. Mm. So Brentford fans seeing it, and there was that the video, the old guy like crying and stuff, like the first time in however many years it is top flight football, and seeing cool. him win against a club like Arsenal. It, it, it's a great story. But there is no doubt at all that that has a factor. Um, I think that's why you got weird results last season when there was no fans in the stadium. It's the same thing. It works both ways. Yeah. I mean, someone in the ABW group asked how many points from the first... Was it the first three? that I, I said one, and mm. I saw that one come. I, I, the same reasons that John just mentioned. First game of the season, newly promoted team. I've seen us pray... Well, yeah, Brentford in some pre-season, and they were very, very decent in some of the games that we played them in pre-season. We seem to always struggle against them, but I, I, I saw all those factors. But for me, though, the 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 most disappointing thing, it, 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 we just as soon as the first goal went in, there was no way. I just I didn't see a way back for us, and that was a little bit more what I'm worried about is our attacking play. We don't seem to be something. Just seems to be missing up front. And when you're then looking at your 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 striking options, you, you're basically getting into a bit of an issue now because Balogun, we signed him on a contract. What is the plan for him? Because is the plan just to play in cup games? Is the plan to go on loan? Because, like you're saying, he just does not look ready at it's all. He's here all over again, isn't it? Yeah, you've got you've got to make a decision with him to 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 best protect him for the future. Does he need a championship loan to to you know to toughen up, 
Or, you know, there's very few strikers that come into the Premier League, you know, between age 16 to 20, whatever he is. I think he's 19 or 20, that make an immediate impact. The ones that I can think of, players like Rooney, Rashford. Owen, like them old. Yeah, Owen and Fowler. Yeah, exactly. There's very rare that you'll get a striker that will burst on the scene these days. You know, even a Harry Kane went on loan multiple times, you know. You know, he's got the physique, but he needs to play men's football. He needs the rough and tumble. So then you've only got basically two strikers, you know. Uh, if Eddie... I don't know what the situation with Eddie is, if he's going to stay, go, but... Well, you know, it's his last year of his contract, isn't it? So, and he's yeah. sort of indicated that he's not going to sign another contract. So if he doesn't go in this window... He's not going to go in January. No one's going to give us any money for him in January where you can get him for free in six months. So if he doesn't go this window, he's going for free. So then it's a case of, okay, what do we do? Do we play him? Um, do we not? Um, it's, just, it's just a weird situation where we have four strikers and we're still struggling to score goals. Granted, two of them didn't play against Brentford. I, I totally understand, but... You know, scoring goals has been an issue for us, even to last season. I mean, until Odegaard came into the squad, even just creating chances was really, really hard for us. But it is the fact that Aubameyang, for some unknown reason, has just declined. And it's been a really sharp decline. And, you know, we make excuses for, I mean, you know, two seasons ago, he carried us. He literally he carried us to the FA Cup. Um, he literally had us on his back and maybe it's burnout. Maybe he hasn't recovered from getting malaria. Who knows? I, I don't know what the issue is, but you know, he last season, what did he score? Like, um, I think it was five league game, five league goals in something stupid, like 20 odd games. Like, that's, that's yeah, he got 10 in 29 in the Premier League. I, What's the season before that? Uh, 22 in 36. So 22 in 36 season before that as well. I mean, you do have to account for the fact that for f- in the last four months, he's had malaria and COVID. You know, and malaria can take like over a year to get over properly. I'm, I'm not saying he hasn't underperformed. He, he clearly has. Um, I don't think it's all his fault. He, there's like issues with him playing on the left or playing four at the back. If we went to free at the back again and he's playing wide left, I think he'll get more chances again. Um, you know, our creativity has been a problem. But like you said, Carl, when Erdogan came in, I, I looked um, when I was on the podcast the other week with Danny and Chris, I was looking at the stats and our, I think our average chances per game went up by, I think it was like two point something extra, like goal scoring opportunities or something per game just with Erdogan coming in. Um, like the stats improved just from the Chelsea game with Smith Rowe, and then if you go game by game of who's actually playing in those games and watch the shape and stuff, other than I think one of the games that was in an, a bit of an anomaly, uh, anomaly um, where Aubameyang was playing on the left, um, like our goal scoring opportunities were way better. So, like that's obviously an issue, and that's why the club have done what they've done. They've, they've waited all summer. I know people have whinged and said, "Why don't we get it done earlier?" You can't buy a player until the club are ready to sell them. But that's why Erdegaard's come in. We've, we've again not official, but we have got him. Um, that's definitely going to free us up. 
I'm way more excited to watch Smith Rowe, Odegaard, and Saka behind whether it's Lacazette or Ababa Yang than anything else. Because those three looked absolutely brilliant when they were playing to get with each other last season, towards the end of the season. We know how much the form improved. People still might not have enjoyed the football. Well, if you don't like it, you don't like it. Tough shit, really. It's what you're going to have to put up with for this season, at least. Um, but we were playing better and we were getting results. I know we tailed off towards the end of the season, but I think a lot of that was down to, you know, Tierney being out of the side and then Xhaka being moved to left back and not really having anyone to help party in midfield. Um, but we, we were much more improved. So I think the club are doing the right things, but it's not like quick, easy fix. You just go, buy this player, buy this player. Oh, okay, yeah, we're top four again. We're way off that. We are way off those teams. This is something that probably take like three seasons to get back to that. Because we've got so much rebuilding to do. But the club are actually doing it in the right way. They're buying the right age profile players. They're building them up. If they don't work out, they've got serious sell-on value. I had a guy have a go at me the other day going, what have Arsenal become when they're buying players that have got sell-on value? I was like, are you a fucking moron? Like, serious. Why do you think Liverpool bought Philip Coutinho? They bought him because he's a good player. And they knew if they wanted to get rid of him later on, they could make a fuck ton of money out of him. And they did. And they made like 150 million. How is that bad? That's not bad football management that's great football management that's how you should run a football club we're not man city we can't go and spunk 100 million on jack Grealish, a player we probably don't even need if you're man city fuck knows what i bought him it's fill up their homegrown quota i guess it, you know we can't compete with those sort of things you gotta you gotta be realistic with your expectations for the football club for the season if you want to be disappointed in our tactics and everything else that's fine but i wouldn't be going and moaning at the club because they're doing everything right at the moment i think at least I mean, in this window so far. I mean, we can't say that Arteta's not been backed. I mean, he spent um, what, almost 200 million. And I think if any other club has spent that sort of money, we would be saying, okay, you, you, you sh- technically, you should be kind of challenging for the title. We're not going to challenge for the title, not for, like you said, John, not for, I. you said three. I no, I, I, I was saying I think, top four. I don't, I don't mean for the title. I mean to be in the top four. I don't think we'll be challenging for top four for a couple of seasons. Yeah, I, I, I think I, we are miles away. And realistically, if you're com- if I'm completely honest with you, if Man United, Man City, and Chelsea are all run properly as best as possible, there is no other three teams in the Premier League that should ever win the title ever again because they've got more money to spend than any other club, and no one can compete with them financially. If they run properly, it should be one of those three teams winning the league every single season without fail. You 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 cannot compete with them financially. It is it is absolutely impossible the money they're spending on football players man united can be that garbage and still go out and spend 200 million every summer because their commercial revenue is just through the roof you can't, you can't compete with that the problem though that arsenal will then have is we cannot and it will arteta will not last three years Let's put it like that. It, it, it's never going to... However many windows it takes to fix this, there's no way that he's going to last that. And it's unfortunate. Like I always say, I do like the guy. You know, I do want it to work out. But it's never going to happen that you'll spend... Especially when you start spending money. As Frank Lampard found, when you're spent, when you're not spending money, there's less expectation. When you start, you know, putting money into the squad or you're spending money then the the spotlight becomes more on the manager now. So now you're at a point where if he doesn't get, let's say, top six, we're not talking about top four, let's forget about it, yeah? If he doesn't get top six, there's going to be a bit of an issue for um, Mikel. 
um, or if he's not close to top six. Now, my main thing is when you're talking about Obama Yang and his decline, when you watch, even when Obama Yang's not playing, our chance creation, our, our forward, moving the ball forward, our transition play doesn't seem to be good enough to get our players like our forward players are so low touch it's unbelievable so whether it's someone playing on the left or someone playing up front unless it's it's Lacazette who basically drops into central midfield to get the ball all the time that's how he has so many touches our our forwards don't touch the ball enough but do you think that that might change Danny with um, Odegaard coming in because if you think of Odegaard coming in and you've got Smithrow, you've got Saka, Martellini. Those players should sort of get the ball and drive it forward. And what you're hoping is, is that whoever it is, whether it's a, uh, a like I said, or an Aubameyang playing as central striker, that if we provide them with the service, and I'm not saying it's going to be one touch, one ball, one goal, like it's, it's, that's not going to happen. But I think... Providing our strikers with the ball is, is job number one. They can't score if we don't have the ball. So get the ball to them. Once they have the ball, then yes, then you can talk about trying to get shots on goal, trying to, you know, just trying to create chances. Like John said, our, our chance creation went up as soon as Odegaard came in. I'm not expecting this guy to come in and, you know, start having like 17 assists every game. You know, he's going to take time no matter what. He's still got to be fit. Yes, he's been had a preseason at Real Madrid, but he's still got to come in to the squad. And one player doesn't make instant success. It's not going to happen. But what you're hoping is if we do have a fully fit squad um, and whoever, and if um, Odegaard does come in and you've got Saka on the right, Pepe on the left, or vice versa, and a another up front, whether it's B, Lacazette, or... Um, Aubameyang, then we should be playing maybe a little bit better because we just don't create chances at the moment. True. I've got some Aubameyang stats from that website that we all love, FB Ref. But you've got a good point there. We've At the moment, for the Brentford game, all we could do was up the wing with, with Tierney because Chambers, although I think a couple of times last season he did run down the wing and then have some really good crosses, but he can't, he can't really do it any, uh, regularly. Bellerin can't do it because he can't get back quick enough. And then so, like you were saying, with, the, with a midfield two, say if the partnership is Party and uh, Odegaard, spraying the ball around both magnificent passes composed at the top of their game compare that to Lokonga who's a, who's a young man uh, who was fantastic when it was it Lokonga that played it yeah it was he, he was captain yeah. van der Lecht in Belgium and he's a really good player but this is all new to him so you compare Xhaka who it looks like he doesn't really give a shit Xhaka and Lokonga compared to Partey and uh, Odegaard, we see those two playing, and then we'll be seeing balls, quality balls. But a player will run through the middle, and he'll put the ball through to the middle, or getting the ball and quickly passing it up and forward to someone who's making a run. We saw so little of that with the midfield that we had before, and like John was saying, wait till we get our players back because once we've got a midfield of that of, of uh, Party and Odegaard working together, which is going to be Arteta's plan. Then, then if that doesn't work, then we can go out and shoot him. But talking about that FB ref and what you were saying about the uh, Young stats, in the East, um, the best season that he's had, it only goes back five seasons, was shots that he had for Dortmund, 117. Then the season he was at Dortmund and Arsenal was um, was 82, and then 89, 
and then 90, and then last season was 56. I mean, even if you like, we all hate XG, but I, I didn't realize XG meant from after the game. I thought it meant before the game, so that's why I didn't understand it. But his XG last season was 10.6. They expected him to score, and the season before that, 15.8, and then their last season was 20.1. So he's getting half as many expected goals this season than he was two seasons ago. So you've got to ask yourself, Carl, is that from being played out wide? Is that because he's not hasn't got anybody playing the ball through him? Because like I always say, Carl, the thing that will scare you most about a bum young is as a centre back, seeing him running towards you at full pelt with the ball, you're gonna think, Oh, she like like um Harland was doing for Dortmund at the weekend, get the ball, run at the defenders, and they all go, Oh fuck. And that's what we need to see. And I'm not sure Arteta wants wants to let him play that way. I think the, the other thing I would say, and it's definitely true, the Brentford game um, was true a lot of last season, is that our front three forwards, whoever was playing what whatever position, other than Saka and Smith Rowe, like Pepe was good towards the end of the season, but there's so little movement. So if you are Granite Jacker or Thomas Partey and you're looking for a pass forward, it doesn't matter how quickly you want to play it because if Lacazette has come so deep that he's five yards away from you and Aubameyang's not moving from the left or Pepe's not moving and making a run, you've got no one to pass to. And then you go, oh, OK, do I just play the short ball to Lacazette who then immediately gives it back, I'll receive it under pressure and then go somewhere else? That's why the ball always ends up with someone like Tierney because he's one of the few players who will actually run in behind the defence. Um, so I do, I do think, I'm, I'm not saying it's all on the forwards, but I do think you have to take that into account because they're, just, they're not moving at all for the midfield at the moment. I hope that is something that changes. But, that, you know, Arteta clearly doesn't particularly fancy Lacazette. That's why we've seen him not necessarily linked with a particular club, but lots of stories about him leaving, lots of stories about us trying to sign a centre-forward. Um and I think, honestly, if they could go back now and rethink that Aubameyang contract, they probably wouldn't have given it to him. Because I think right now they're in a position where if someone came in for both of them, they'd quite happily go, yeah, take them off our hands and we'll go buy a new striker. Because um, I don't think they're really the strikers that Arteta wants to play with. They're not his style. They don't suit his style of play. They're not the kind of guys you'd see at a Man City not saying they're not good enough to play for them, but the style of football they play and that they thrive off is not the way that uh, a Pep would want to play or Arteta wants to play. So I think the, the problem is he's coming to a squad where there's so much work needed to be done and still needs to be done, like in terms of outgoings and replacements and stuff, that he kind of went, well, these guys are experienced, at least they'll get me goals. I'm going to have to concentrate on that later. I've got to sort out this midfield problem. I've got to sort the defence out of... You know, we need left back. We've got to sort the goalkeeper out. Right back's an issue. You know, there's still a lot of work to be done. And this is what I'm saying. I, I don't think top four is a realistic aim for a couple of seasons because you're not going to fix it. I agree with Femi. I, I think, like, if our first team, like with Erdegaard in, Ramsdale in, maybe we get another player in, we'll see. If everyone's fit for the whole season, um, you know, wishful thinking, then realistically the team should be able to get fifth. I think they're good enough to get fifth place. I don't think they can get any higher than that. You'd have to have like a uh, you know, phenomenal sort of wonder season like Leicester did when they won the league and just go on some sort of ridiculous you know, 14, 15 game run of winning games to, to even think about getting above fifth place. Because the other teams are just way ahead of us in terms of experience, quality, depth, everything. 
Um, so you have to you have to be realistic with your ambitions, and that that also means that the football might not be quite as good as you like. You might not create as many chances as you like. That's, that's why we finished eighth last season. It, it's not a it's not a surprise, and yeah, part of that is down to our tactics and some of his tactics, but. A lot of it is basically down to the misman- mismanagement of the club for the last 10 plus years, the contracts we've given out and all the other things we've done. Speaking about mismanagement, um, why do you think it's so hard for us to move players on? I mean, you've got a player, I mean, you know, there's so many players that we need to move on and players that are saying that they want to leave and pluck one out of the air, uh, Bellerin. Bellerin has come out kind of said through his through a third party his agent that he was willing to take a pay cut to leave. Now Bellerin is maybe not Arsenal quality, but he definitely is quality enough to play for uh, another squad, definitely a squad in Spain somewhere. But to the best of our knowledge, nobody has come in for us, come in for him, sorry. And it's not a case of it can't be his wages. I don't think Bellerin's on exorbitant wages. Um, I can't see that. But it's just weird that he wants to leave uh, we want to move him on, and we haven't yet moved him on. So, Femi, why do you think it's an issue for Arsenal? I mean, I look back to Tammy Abraham, and I, I, I can understand that Tammy Abraham moved from Chelsea uh, for forty million to Roma, and yeah, there could be a little Mourinho-esque issue there. Like, um, and I, I understand, but if that was Arsenal. So I'm not, not for one second am I comparing Eddie and Ketia with Tammy Abraham. No way. However, how is it that Chelsea can get 40 million for Tammy Abraham and we can't get 10 million for one of our players? Like, why we can't get 10 million for Enketia? See, now this is where I've got a problem with Arteta and Edu. And um, I haven't seen the questions, but I'm sure there's a lot of questioning. But... This, this is my questioning of them, is the squad management decisions that they've made over the last couple of years. This summer, uh, let me tell you, I can see the joined-up thinking in the transfer window. I can see the young players, the age range, and, uh, you know, there's a joined-up thinking, whether people complain about it or not, at least there's a, there seems to be a plan. My problem is the panic of maybe, let's say let's just say last summer, the not letting players go when they were bidded for, um, the Ains Maitland Lyle stuff, the Bellerin um, bid that came in that Ornstein, uh, David Ornstein reported from PSG, the Eddie bids that have come in reportedly as well. Now, what what I don't get is if these players are integral to your plan, by all means reject the bid. That's it. Take, don't take the money. Let them play. They'll make a difference. But what's happened is a majority of these players are now the players that we're trying to get rid of. So this is my thinking is where does that come from? Where, where's the joined up thinking there? What happened there? Why are we so afraid to let go of players? I remember on the Wenger, we used to have this thing where we were so afraid to let go of players as fans and as the management team. And I, I understood it on the Wenger because he just did not like the transfer window, did he? He didn't want to dab- dabble in, the, in the, the rubbish of the transfer window. But we've got to be able to just say, you know what? Just sell. Fair, this summer, Joe Willock, I, I didn't want him to go. But, you know, sometimes you just have to accept it. 
you need the money. He's a good player, but you know, is he gonna is he part of the plans? If he's gonna sit on the bench, just sell. Emmy Martinez, if he's just gonna sit on the bench, you know, whether we like it or not, just sell. But then why is why can't you let go of Hector Bellerin only for a year later to not be able to get a fee for him? You know, it it, it all doesn't make sense. You know, fair enough. We didn't know the market might have crashed like this, but kind of, you know, as football men, you should have like an idea that if there was no money last summer, there's not going to be any money this summer, you know. But let's see what happens with these player sales because I think that's the major thing that we've got to concentrate on now between now and the end of the transfer window is getting rid of as many players as we can. And I'm guessing there's going to just be a lot of loan, loaning out of players. Um, that's probably what's going to our players are linked. I mean, Hector Bellerin was linked to Inter, but I think Inter just bought Dumfries. So yeah, they've just bought Dumfries. So Dumfries, Dumfries was five million quid, and Bellerin wasn't. That's why they didn't five buy million, it. five million pounds. He was seven and a half million euros. <laughs> wow. Um, well, sorry, his contract is seven and a half million euros. I can't remember the exact fee. Basically, his wages are lower than what Bellerin wanted, and the overall fee and the way it's going to be structured to be paid is less than what Arsenal wanted. Me and Danny are both Inter fans. It, it makes perfect sense. Inter have got fuck all money. That's why Lukaku's left. Yeah. You know, that's why they're, they're struggling to keep hold of Martinez. They're, they're, if you look at all the transfer deals that have been done in the Premier League, the only club that's like outside of the, the big boys, the only club that's really spending money is Aston Villa. And that's because they got £100 million for Jack Grealish. All the other teams, yeah, they're picking up a player here or there, but it's like, Maybe one player for 20 million up to about 30, then the rest are all two, three million, very small deals. I guarantee you, last week in a window, it'll go nuts and loads of players will start moving. Like Enketi will get picked up by someone. Um, didn't Willock say we, that he wants him to come to Newcastle with him? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, whether Newcastle have got any more fucking money left, God knows. Um, I mean, Mike Ashley's got plenty of money, whether he's going to mm. give any to Newcastle. <laughs> different thing. Those yachts yeah. aren't free. No. Um, you know, I, I can see Nketiah still going. I don't think that will be an issue. I think the reason why Noah's bought him at the moment is because he's injured and they maybe want to see how he's going to come back from his injury. But he looked really there's good no point, There's no point in signing him now if he's injured. You might as well wait till the last day of the window. Yeah, exactly. Realistically, he's not going yeah. to play either way, is he? So. No, so he's not going to be back until the, until after the window closes. Yeah. So you don't need to sign him now. Um, you wait until the last day because as a club, you don't have a lot of money. So you wait until the last day and you go to a club like Arsenal who got yeah, and you go to a club that's got too many players in their squad and you say, oh, we'll take this guy off your hands. And he's happy to go because he knows he's not going to get game time and he wants to go somewhere and play. So all the personal stuff's easy to do and you can say to Arsenal, all right, here's this much money and Arsenal go, all right, we'll take it. And I'm sure Arsenal will probably, last week in a window, end up signing someone and doing the same thing. I, I get people's frustration with the seemingly we haven't moved quick enough because we've done deals for Ben White and Laconga early on. But all the deals that have happened have all been players that have been happy to move, wanted to move, and the clubs had the money in place to do it straight away. Whereas the majority of the players that we're trying to sell are all for low fees or they're on quite high wages. So we have to maybe lower the fee a bit, maybe pay them a little bit of money to get them off the books or subsidise the deal in some way so it's structured so the club that's buying them can give them lower wages. Like Bellerin's on like 120 or grand a week. He ain't going to get it anywhere else unless he went to PSG. And I understand what Fenny's saying about we didn't sell at maybe a time we should have. 
I think on a majority of them, like I think when we sold Martinez, it was the right deal at the time. Now it might look a bit stupid, but at the time it was perfect deal. The Willock deal, what we've just done, I think is really good money. You consider that we've basically taken that money and bought Erdegaard with it. That's a steal. That's that's an amazing piece of business. That, that's fantastic money. Um, and the company to be congratulated for doing that. Yeah, no, I think all that stuff is really good. And like Femi said, there is clear joined up thinking. I just think it's just, it is the worst window, like transfer window in history that any, like anyone in the Premier League or around Europe's had. And so many clubs are just completely fucked financially. There will be last week's scramble and you're going to see players flying all over the place. Because other than like the couple of deals like we've done for like Ben White and like Villa have done with like Brendia and Danny Ings, the only other deals that have happened have all been huge, big money ones like Grealish and Lukaku and stuff. There's no, there's not really been tons of like 20, 30 million pound deals that you would normally see every window. Like by now, you'd be like, oh, fucking hell, who's in West Ham's team? Because they've got like 10 new players and a load of people have left. Uh, same thing for Everton and all these other clubs. I'm looking through their squads and I'm like, oh, they've, they've still got all the same people. Because they're just they're too scared to go right. We're going to back all our all our money and effort on this guy because they're thinking if we wait till the last week, clubs are desperate. They need to trim their squad size. They need to get they need to sell this player to get some money in so they can do a deal for the guy they're going for. If we wait till the last minute, then bang, we can get him at a better price, and then maybe we've got a bit of money to go and get someone else on the last day of the window. So it, it just we're selling players who don't have high value. That, that's why. You're going to see teams that will lose the first three games of the season. Just, you know, just just panic basically yeah. and start start loaning players. Oh, we want an AZ Maitland or Southampton, for example, or Bra- mm-hmm. a Brighton or or someone who's like lost their first two three games of the season. Uh, a Burnley will be like, oh yeah, we need someone. Let's let's just go and get yeah. get someone. You know, it, it will happen. You're right. It will happen. And I think you see the same thing in Spain, like Torreira will end up, whether it's Spain, Lazio and Roma are both looking at him as well. And, oh God, there was someone else in Italy uh, I was reading today, or attempted to read because it was in Italian. And for some reason, the translate button wasn't working. My Italian is terrible. Um, but I saw the word Torreira, and I can't remember what club it was, but he was linked to someone else. Um, so, you know, I think those moves will happen. Um, it would... Like, Ideal world, it happens first week in a transfer window and all your deals are done. That's great. But it's just not the way football works, especially in the market the way it is now. Um, but yeah, I would I would say the window overall has been pretty successful so far. If we do move some of those players on as well, then I think it's been a great window. You're not going to have to do everything the club needs in, in one summer transfer window, especially this one. But the work they've done so far, I think has been really, really good. You've got to worry about the ambition of some of the players. I'm hailing boys. I want them all to do well. But you look at Reese Nelson, who's someone who I thought has been really good. 1920, he played 17 Premier League games. Then he played two. Last season, he played one. And now they're thinking about sending Matt on loan. I mean, you've got to look at that and think, well, what are you the plus? Before that, in Hoffenheim, the season before he played 17 with us, he had 23 games and seven goals for Hoffenheim. I don't know if Josh is listening, he's going to go, with all they're all rubbish goals. But you don't score seven goals in the Bundesliga in 23 games if you're a shit player. And then you come back to your club and then two years later you play two games and then one game in a season. Why but last, season was his, last season was his fault. They offered him to go out on loan both with him. And he turned it down. 
That's not the club's fault. They wanted him to go out on loan. But now they're saying that they're going to give him a new contract and send him out on loan. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's protected that's, too. That's protected. That's value. Value. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that is sensible. Yeah. I do like. I want him to stay. I think he's 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 got a lot to offer with his versatility and his ability to play on either wing. And he, he likes he's clearly got the wrong attitude though. If he won't go out on loan, yeah. he's going to go out somewhere and play. He's, he's got to be. You got to be as much as I want a player to back themselves and have belief. If you're looking at that Arsenal team again, hang on. Aubameyang gets played a lot. Smith Rowe's come through. Uh, we've got Bakaya Saka, who's been amazing and completely overtaken me from the youth team. And Nicolas Pepe. Oh, and Gabriel Martinelli. And, and you're William. Backing, yeah, and William, who you've just signed an experienced player, right? It didn't work out for him. But you're backing yourself that much as a kid to get ahead of all those players to get minutes. That's the, uh, so his agent or someone in his family needed to have a word with him and say, look, I, I, I love the fact you think you're that good. Read go Bentner's and play book. somewhere else for a season. Yeah, Go and, go and read Bentner's book and then go, <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah, maybe should, I should go and play all players, all young players should be made to read his book and then go, <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> but you can just see, like, with Vieira at Palace, like, him going to Crystal Palace should be an ideal move. He'll play every single game of every of the season if he went to Crystal Palace. But, like you said, he's not going to get in above all of those players. I mean, it, it was, I guess, a bit strange that um, we turned to him um, to try and rescue uh, the game against Brentford. Well, um, did we have it on the bench? So we, we never. Well, yeah, we had Saka. What we? We had Saka. He came on, on and then we brought on yeah. a left back at right back. Like which, I don't know. <laughs> the less said about that, the better. Um, I mean, it was however. it was either it was Nelson, El Nenny, or Maitland Niles. That was basically it. They were your choices yeah. for like a. Uh, that, and I'm adding El Nenny in as an option to try and get you back into win a game. Like that's that's how desperate it was. So like Nelson's the only forward in in that in terms of possibilities. But that's how short we were for the game, which is probably why Arteta was laughing because he was just like, I'm I'm fucked. I've got nothing here. I've got a shit start to the season playing against Chelsea and Man City. I thought I might get something for the Brentford game, and then I find out my two starters. It's bad enough party's gone, but fucking my two strikers are out as well. Well, Martinelli's not fit, and I've got to play Balogun up front. You know, he was he was on a hide into nothing in that game. I'm not saying he excuses it, and there was players who did not perform well enough on the night, but there's not a lot you can do as a manager in that situation. I mean, sticking with Arteta, if worst comes to the worst, let's say on Sunday we don't get anything against Chelsea, and then I think after that we have West Brom away, don't we, in the um, Carabao Cup or whatever it's called this year. And then we have Man City. Let's say worst comes to the worst, and we don't win against Chelsea and we win, we don't win against Man City and, and that's zero points from three games and we are really nine points behind wherever. Where do you see, can you see Arteta lasting past, say, November, Danny? Like, if we don't get at least something out of one of those three games, the league games, well, my I've pinned uh, my to my Twitter account my uh, a tweet that I did, ninth um, of August. I've got draw against Brentford, lose to Chelsea, Man City, beat Norwich, draw to Burnley, lose to Spurs and Brighton, draw to Palace, lose to Villa, <laughs> lose to Leicester, beat Watford. Yeah. That one I'll, I'll like to change that, and then lose to Liverpool. And then I've put Arteta fired. He'll be fired within ten games, but I, I'm not sure that they will ever fire him. 
because they have now I did this before the money he got um, bought Ramsdale and bought Odegaard and they're not going to give a manager this much money to get the players that he wants and then go 10 games nah you're fired I think he's going to last the season no matter what happens he's going to get the entire season partly due to apathy from the owner and partly due they don't want to have to go through the whole oh right, new manager right all those players the last one bought I want them all out which is the problem that Arteta has now with the Emery players and Emery had with the Wenger players. You, we're going to have to just put up with it because it's never going to get any better if you just keep sacking the managers and bringing new people in. Unless you're Chelsea and Man City, then each time they come in, they can have quarter of a million, quarter of a billion pounds each. So I don't think it matters what he does. He's not going to get sacked this season. See, I hear what you're saying. And these are <laughs> Arteta players. I, I totally understand it. And the next manager that comes in, may not fancy uh, a Ben White uh, or may not fancy, you know, any of the players that Arteta has bought. I, I, I think that if we don't start putting points on the board, then fan pressure for me does build up. And at a certain point, you can't just keep him in the job. I mean, let's say, let's say for argument's sake, it, shit really hits the fan and we don't beat Chelsea and we don't beat Man City. And let's say for some unknown reason, we lose to West Brom. Um, in the Carabao Cup. But even forget Twitter, forget Twitter. Let's just just to talk about normal. If Arteta loses four his first four games, um surely by then you're gonna be looking and thinking, okay, that's bad. And then you've got Norwich at home, which you're thinking we're gonna beat we should should beat Norwich at home. Burnley away, mm, a little bit tricky. Then Spurs at home. I think the Spurs at home game will be the make or break. You beat Spurs, then maybe you don't beat Spurs at home with all the fans there. I can imagine we don't beat Spurs with 50, 60,000 fans booing. That will send a message, um, I think, to the owner because the after that you've got, after that you've got yeah, Brighton. Because then you've got Brighton, then you've got like, so you've got Brighton and then you've got the um, international break. I think that is when he could uh, leave. And I saw John. I saw John. I see John shaking his head. So I want to go to John because I think if he doesn't, let's just say, John, he doesn't beat Chelsea, he loses to West Brom, and he doesn't beat Man City, surely that, you know, he's going to start having to answer questions. I'm sure he'll have to answer questions from the media and from fans being angry. If he loses to West Brom, I'll be pissed. If he loses to Chelsea and Man City... I'm going to be disappointed, but I'm not going to be angry at him. You're talking about a team that just finished eighth in the league, losing to the two clear favourites for the Premier League title, a European champion and another team that's basically trying to win European competition every year. And people are going to lose their shit over losing to them two, the two best teams in the country. Are people fucking nuts? Yeah. I don't think it's... No, but I don't think it's it's about those two games, though, in isolation. I think it's... I said... As, as soon as we went on that run last year, I, I said it in the ABW group as well. I don't know any manager that has ever come back from that. And the reason why is because of these things that happen now, which is when you've gone on a run that bad, uh, that was a horrific run, no, by the way. Terrible. When you've gone on a run that bad, you're now at a stage where every defeat puts you under pressure. No matter every, even some games, when you draw, you're under pressure. It's not fair. But it's just the, the the and that was without fans. Now that fans are back in the stadium, 
you you know, I would love to see an electric atmosphere on Sunday like we saw for Brentford, but I know what's coming on Sunday. I know there's going to be just silence and then there's going to be... I know I know there's going to be booze. That wrong. Yeah, I know there's going to be booze in the stadium because I, I don't understand how or why or what's happened to the Arsenal fans. That there's, there's such a disconnect with the club. I'm not even going to blame the manager. Let's just say the club, the owners, there's a massive disconnect that every result now is is 10 times bigger than it used to be. I, I don't know what's happened. I've never seen a reaction like this for a defeat, like the one against Brentford. It's been... Gonna be there. Yeah, I'm going to be there. I know you'll, there's going to be... You'll be, one of, you'll be one of the only 10 people there because literally... That's another thing, I've, ne- yeah. I've never known that <laughs> sort of a couple of days before the game, you can still buy tickets... Uh, for a Chelsea game at home, and, they, and, and there game is, in the season, and there well. are loads of tickets, and that could be a combination of things. It could be people staying away because of COVID. It, 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 there's a, a combination of things that, that could happen, but I have never in my whole entire life known that the Friday or yeah, when you have listened to this, a Thursday or Friday, and I checked this morning mm. that there are still thousands, not just hundreds, there are thousands of seats available to buy against Chelsea. That is unheard of, N- literally unheard of. I think season ticket holders were being told that they can buy up to four tickets as well uh, for the game, yeah. which is yeah. absolutely crazy. So, you know, I want to, I like you, think I want the best atmosphere there is. I genuinely want it to be electric. I want us to you know, shout loud, be proud of the team. But you can see it. If we're losing 1-0 at half time. From South London, I'll hear those boos like, because it will be as loud as it will be so loud. It just when the car we're not going to give them the first minute, Danny. We're not, it's, just, it's just it's just going to be loud. But we we have to try and back the team. But I'm going yeah, I'm coming yeah. to you, John, because I want positivity. So, John, I'm just trying to say yes. I understand that you're saying that if we for some reason we lose to the the top two teams, okay, cool. Let's draw a line underneath that. After that, we've got Burnley at home. Sorry, Norwich at home, Burnley away. So let's just say we take three points from Burnley, three points from Norwich at home, and we lose to Burnley away. That's impossible. After, sorry. <laughs> what, you don't think that we're going to beat Norwich at home? No, having, having three points out of 15, is is it just makes me feel sick. But go on, John. <laughs> um. The- I mean, am I going to be positive? No, I'm going to be disappointed, but I'm going to look at the games we've played and realistically go, right, Brentford was shit. Kind of probably expect... I was hoping for a win, but um, could have, I probably would have taken a draw, just the atmosphere and everything else, but then we had the whole situation with the squad and players not being available. So, right, whitewash it. Just, like, we'll ignore that one. The Chelsea and Man City games, for me, are free hits. Um, and if anything, they're, they're the weird sort of games where he might do better, especially the Man City one, because he seems to do pretty well against Pep. Um, if he lost away to Burnley, I'd be really pissed off. But I'm not going to like lose my shit and go, oh, the manager's got to go. Like, who, who who do people... This is the other thing that really irritates me. And it kind of comes back to what Danny said earlier about Emery coming in and having to get rid of Vega players and Arteta coming in and having to get rid of Emery players. If Arteta goes... 
those players at the club are blind. They're not Arteta players. They are Arsenal players because this should be the direction the club should be going from now on. They should be this sort of age profile, this kind of style of play. This is the way Arsenal Football Club wants to play football. You should then go and get a coach or manager or whatever it is to come in and say, right, you're only coming to this club because you play the football we like, the way we like to play it. And there's the players that you have. And we will continue as a club each year to invest in those sort of players. So I wouldn't call them Arteta players. I would call them Arsenal players. Um, but if you get rid of him, who are you going to get as a coach? Everyone keeps telling me to sack him. They're like, oh, sack Arteta, sack Arteta. If you're in charge, you should sack Arteta. Like, but for who? And everyone's shouting at me, Antonio Conte and all these different names. I'm like, these people aren't going to come to the club. You've got no brain at all. Have you ever looked at their managerial career? Were done. Why someone like Conte has just left Inter Milan? Because they've got no money. Because all he wanted to do was spend a shit ton of money. He will go to a very, very good club with a good squad, or he'll go to a club with a shit squad, but they'll say to him, there's 500 million, go and spend it on whatever you want. And we'll have full control over it. You're not going to get those sort of managers. We're not in that position. So people can bitch and moan and whatever about the results as much as they want. And don't get me wrong, if Arteta gets his tactics horribly wrong this season and I don't see improvement in our speed of play and things like that, I will be moaning about it as well. But I genuinely don't see the point in sacking the man until, if he gets to Christmas, right, and we're absolute garbage again, and he's had players available, you know, like Partey's been fit for when he comes back, and Saka and everyone else is all available, then fair enough, I'd be like, all right, yeah, maybe there's an argument for it. But sacking him for the sake of it, because the results aren't going your way, and then going, oh, shit, well, we sacked him now. Who are we going to bring in? Oh, fuck. Uh, right, we'll get in a temporary guy until the end of the season, and then we'll scramble around to try and find someone. None of these things or plans are in place. And the problem is, I don't trust the people above Arteta, and I don't think he's been helped in this at all, which is why I do have some sympathy for him. There's no one above him running the club properly. He has come in to Arsenal Football Club at the worst possible time, totally inexperienced, and basically gone... Oh, we'll make you the coach. That's fine. That's all you've got to do. Just worry about the team. Oh, actually, you're, you seem like quite a smart guy. Uh, we don't know what we're doing. We're going to make you the manager. You can fucking decide everything. Please be the next Arsene Wenger. And this has all just been thrown on him. And he's had, he's basically having to, you know, like rebuild the club from the ground up, like with scouting, with the academy, with everything. He's got no help whatsoever. So if you get rid of Arteta, you're going to get another guy in. He's probably not going to be that great. He might be, again, another inexperienced guy, and he's going to have no one above him to help him out. That, that to me, does not seem like a good plan. That seems like a really fucking stupid way to run a football club. I understand what you're saying, but for me, it's how long do you last with mediocrity? So I understand what you're saying, that there's yeah, no... Yeah, but then, but then that's, that, that, again, there's another thing, mediocrity. How do you rank mediocrity? If we finish sixth or fifth this season... Would that? Would you be happy with that? Would you say that's a positive? <laughs> See, look, you're well, it's, it's, a, about it's a, it's an, it's a, it's an upgrade from what we did last year. But you got, yeah, you but you're spend... umming you're umming and ahhing about a club in the position that we're in and how far away we are from City, Chelsea, um, Man United, and Liverpool. You're, uh, you're umming and ahhing about us coming fifth or sixth when. You're wanting us to compete with those four clubs. We're nowhere near those four clubs. That's not going to happen. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter what you spend. You you can't close. We cannot close the gap that quickly. It doesn't happen. 
We're not in a position to do that. We're not Chelsea. One more. But we have to close the gap at some point. So what I'm saying yeah, is, so you, you, have to, but the you, problem is you do. I know people hate this. You have to have patience. It takes time. I know these are all trigger words for the snowflakes on Twitter for all the Arsenal fans out there to start crying and raging at their screen because it is it's sh- like use your brain. It takes time to get back to where we were. We aren't doing it in one season. It's not a oh, we'll get Antonio Conte or we'll get a Thomas Tuchel or a Jurgen Klopp and everything will be fixed and fine. Jurgen Klopp in his first season was fucking celebrating with his players on a pitch, a draw away against West Brom with Liverpool fans. They're all in a fucking big old line doing a conga and everything, cheering it, and everyone's taking a piss out of him. But he's doing that to build something because he knew it was going to take time to get the club back to where they wanted to be. And they've done that very successfully because they've had a plan and they've executed it. Arteta, unfortunately, is coming at a time where there was no fucking plan and he's trying to do that and he's lost like a year and a half worth, basically, of his time at the club where it's been a complete mess and he's still trying to fix it. And we still gap is getting got... bigger. Yeah, the, the gap, gap is getting bigger. Us and, yeah. The gap between us and the top four slash five, you wouldn't include Leicester in that, I don't know, but he's getting bigger. So, whereas I'm not saying, set the whole shit, like, just blow it up. Because you can't do that. You clearly can't. We don't have, like you said, we don't have the finances or the resources. But this is why you have to you have to you have to pick a manager and you have to back him, which they are doing, but you have to allow these things to progress. Lakonga's not gonna be like Lakonga might go on to be a worldly midfielder, and I really hope he does, and I think he looks really promising. If he doesn't, he's obviously gonna improve at least, and you might be able to sell him in three, four years for double, triple what we pay for him. That's great, you can reinvest that back in the squad. As I said to you earlier, realistically, no one else should win the league other than Man United, City or Chelsea because they've got the most money to invest. It's a sad fact of football, but it's just the way it is. Until the Premier League or uh, the European, like UEFA or something, come in and say, right, here's wage caps. This has got to come in now. Here's transfer caps. Here's actual proper financial fair play. Nothing is going to change and there is going to be a gap. We'll be able to close it, but it's going to take time. And maybe eventually we'll get to the point where we can compete for top four again. And we might have, you know, you get a season like this where we're out of Europe so we can just concentrate on the league and Man City have got four cup competitions or whatever and they slip up a little bit or Liverpool do or something. Or, you know, Liverpool were the most likely ones for us to catch because they're out of those four are the weakest financially. Um, or I saying that they just sold 10% of their club for 500 million. I think that just went to Fenway Group though. I don't think they're actually reinvesting it in the club. Um, but... They're, they're the weakest in that sense, but they're already rebuilding. They, they've brought in that centre-back, the young guy, you know, because Van Dijk and Salah and people like that, they're all getting on in age. They know their squad's ageing, so they're already starting their redevelopment for their next cycle. And it's just something we have to do. It's just that we're way behind on them. So we're trying to do a little bit of a bump up with purchases like Ben White and stuff. Lakonga's one for the future, but there's rumours about going for, you know, we were looking at Abraham. That obviously didn't go through, but let's talk about Dominic Calvert-Lewin. People might not get excited by that. That's the kind of player that really excites me. He's the sort of guy who's going to get on the end of every single t- Kieran Tierney cross. People might go, oh, he's not a big name or whatever. But this is the market we're, we're shopping in. We're not shopping in the same market as the other big teams. And that's the way you close the gap. You have to build the squad better and structure it better. And until you know a lot of the dead wood is gone and these players get older and grow together... That ain't gonna happen. Yeah, I understand. For me, I don't see anything that Arteta has come in to give me confidence that he's gonna change it. Yes, you can talk about the FA Cup win. If, if Arteta did not win the FA Cup, 
he would not be in Arsenal squad. He would not be the Arsenal manager now. Defence has mass- defense massively improved under him. Did it improve to eighth? No, I mean, if you look at our defensive record, it's not eighth in the league. Whether we're, it, was, it was third best in the league. But overall, we ended up eighth. Uh, all these yeah, stats yeah, about, oh, we were the best the then... Yeah, yeah, but the, so, yeah, but form runs from that's like you know like the the season when uh, Leicester won the league and we should have won it. Well, actually, Tottenham should have won it, but they came third in the two or three summer. Um, <laughs> you know, over that whole year, we were the best team. Well, great, cool stat. You know that that's not how things work. But if you carry that form on from one season to the next, then it works out really well for you. Liverpool were fantastic, like ridiculous. What did they lose? One game all season and didn't win the league not last year the season when they were robbed against Man City yeah they lost one game and they couldn't win the league that's ridiculous form but what they did was they had a building block and they went look we did that last season let's go and improve on it next season and you have to take those things people might not like it and go oh it's a stupid stat from Christmas till the end of the season it means nothing well no it does because players will look at that and go hang on a minute when Martin came in we started playing really well we were scoring more goals and we were a bit more free-flowing. We were playing faster. Smith-Rowe was getting on the ball more. Saka was playing well. Now, even when Saka was out of the team, we were still getting goals, and he was like our shining light last season. Oh, look, fuck me. Martin Ogadar's just walked through the door, and he's not only is he signed for Arsenal, he said he wants to join. He wants to come and play for this club. This makes me excited to be a player and come into training every day. They're, they're making the right moves. So you just... I, I, I know people hate you, but you have to be patient. It, it ain't going to get fixed overnight. This problem has been going on at Arsenal for over 10 years. This, this been problem, it's been very, very steady. And in the last three, four years, it's gone all of a sudden, boom. Because what you've done is not only has Wenger gone, and I, I, I put it less down to his coaching, because I think in his last few years, his coaching was, to be fair, not great. And uh, not to knock the man, because he won amazing things and did amazing things with his at Arsenal. I loved every minute of it. I always cheered it on. It's all the other stuff that went when he went because there was no one running the club. Absolutely no one running the club. And he left and then you had all these scumbags come in, like people like Ralph Sanyehi and others, who basically came in there to rob as much money out of the club as they could before they got caught. Arteta has come in and looked at the club that he was at whilst he was under Wenger and gone, fuck me, what has happened to Arsenal? I need to sort this out. Because he's genuinely, like from the stuff that, we hear from certain people about what goes on at the club and sort of feelings and stuff at the club and around the training ground. It's the players themselves is good vibes, but the rest of the club is terrible saying, you know, Arsenal are not what they used to be. Everything's gone wrong. These are not the values the club used to stand up for. And Arteta is trying to bring all that back. It might be too much for him and I hope it isn't. I hope it all works out for him, but um, you know, that is why I do have so much sympathy for him and I'll stand by him because as long as he's Arsenal manager, I'm going to cheer him on and hope that he can fix all the problems there. I don't know if he can do it. He might not be able to. But it doesn't. I honestly don't think it matters who you get in there. It's such a big job. It's going to take time regardless of who it is. There you yeah, go. There's, there's, my war, there's my war and peace rant on it. And <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I hear what you're saying, but for me, it's... We can't let the gap get any bigger. And the gap is vast. It's the Grand Canyon right now. And I'm not saying anything's going to happen overnight. We're not going to suddenly catch up to the top three, four, whatever you want to call them. Um, it's not going to happen. I, I 
stupidly optimistically said that I think we'd be close to the top four because we're playing one game a week. Uh, whilst other teams are flying all around Europe and playing on a Wednesday, coming back and then having to play on a Sunday, it takes its toll. Of course it does. Look at us when we was playing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. It, it, it messed with us, especially when you're flying to the deepest, darkest depths of Europe. I mean, I know... See, that that uh, would be the interesting point of the season when the European games start and when all those teams having to do two two games a week like in close succession and we're only playing once a week to see what the form is like. And then see, oh, hang on a minute, is this the bit where Arsenal gain some points on people and make up, you know, make places up the up the table because they've got one week bang, one week, one week, one week, and everyone else is doing all the travelling. I think the team Spurs are playing to tonight don't even have like numbers on the back of their shirts today. They had to like, put them on on fucking black market and shit. <laughs> um, it makes me laugh. Um, Femi, I'll just wrap up this Arteta thing before we um, before we've gone to listeners' questions, but. Based on what you've seen maybe over the last year and what kind of what John said and what I've said, what, what are your thoughts on Arteta <laughs> going forward? I'm so 50-50, man. It, it's crazy. I'm, I'm just like, I like him, but like I said, man, that run last year just damaged my confidence. I was My confidence was unshakable. I was like, yeah, he's going to do it. He's the man. He's a man. But I was just looking at the table, you know, after 13 games last season, we had won four and scored 11 goals after 13 games. And the reason why I gulped at you saying, imagine we lost to Burnley in that, you know, the fact that we're even accepting, we're, we're at a stage where we're like, oh yeah, we're going to lose to Chelsea, we're going to lose to Man City. And it's it's kind of like the fans are just accepted it. It's it's scary in, in itself. You know, the fact that, you know, we, that Arsenal have got to the stage where we are now, we, we we go into games like Chelsea and Man City just not even thinking that we, we have a chance. You know, even last season, we beat Chelsea home and away, you know. But this Sunday, maybe because of all the, the injuries and stuff, we don't think we have a chance. But for me, with Arteta, I come down to style of play and the process. If, if the style of play does not improve, I can't sit here and say, okay, just keep the manager just for the sake of it. There's literally no point. And that's what it came down to with Emery. We got to the point where there was literally no point in carrying on just for the sake of it. And if you get to that point with Arteta where you're doing more damage, where you're saying, oh, there's a massive gap for us. If you're doing more damage in the long run than good, what's the point of keeping a manager? You know, we just have to watch the style of play out. That's what I'm watching, our, especially our attacking play. Has to, has to improve the the the, the value of scoring goals. Keep getting your... Sh- like, having players like Aubameyang interested. If you start getting your captain just looking disinterested on the pitch, those are the types of things that will put him in, in trouble, especially with the fans. You'll, you'll be in trouble with fans definitely when it comes to that. So for me, it's style of play and results. That's I don't, it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, you, Arsenal have to be, look at Chelsea. I mean, I, I know we don't like comparing ourselves to Chelsea, but it, it, it happens that this is football now. Managers come, managers go. Tottenham got rid of a manager just before a cup final. These things happen. You know, if you're not doing the business, unfortunately, no matter how much people like you, then you've, you've you've got a goal. So let's see, you know, if the style of play improves 
And that's all I want to see because I, I was not. That's my biggest pet peeve about the, the the first game was our attacking play, our build up play was just slow and just that saying. I don't want to see that anymore. That that's my thing. Oh, good, good, good. Talking about uh, one nil tonight into Portuguese team Ferreira Roche FC, as Memes is calling it. Shocking. Are there, fans like, could end up. are there fans yeah. still singing? Are you watching Harry Kane? Are they still singing there? No. <laughs> I, think, I, think that's, I think that saga is hilarious. I mean, he's going to end up at Man City, isn't he? Like, I, I still think that saga is absolutely hilarious. Like, their captain has just... We're missing out for that. He went on strike, or he never tried for training, and then all of a sudden his PR team said, oh, shit, we need to turn this around because... At the start of the week, if you were on strike straight away, you would be tweeting, I'm not on strike, I have to isolate, or the club would be saying that. And the club came out and said absolutely nothing to back him. So we all know it's all good. They took a youth team out there. I mean, what, what is this? Their main striker was 17. <laughs> this is really, I, wanna... I mean, if we imagine that we would have been playing tonight in that game, wouldn't we? If we had if we had picked them in that, that would have been our last yeah. day. That would have been they us. Don't, yeah. They don't want to. They don't want to play in that competition at all. Yes, it's in Europe, but they don't really want that at all. I don't, I don't think anybody wants it. It's the lower European clubs where you know they what's good want though, to... about this because because we're not in it is. They can send out a youth team right there tonight and they go, us oh, because we don't care about it. And you can take the piss out of them for it. But if they send out their first team, you can take the piss out of them for it because it's a competition <laughs> no one wants to win. And even if they got all the way to the final, they'd probably end up playing like Roma or someone I think are in it and then lose to Mourinho. You'd just be fucking like karmic justice. <laughs> so they, they cannot win either way. They're fucked either way. So look, look as always, Spurs can make you smile. <laughs> oh, so drop in the glory days of winning the Audi Cup, isn't it? Bless them. Anyway, Daniel, do you want to start doing some listener questions? I certainly do, dear. Right. Um, uh, where did I put them? There we go. No, that's not it. Here they are. Start off with you, Femi. From Double D Rivoli, who is not a financial advisor. Uh, they say, are we as fans? If I've not checked these to see if we've really covered it. So if we have. Just pretend we haven't. Are we as fans putting Arteta under extreme pressure after one game? This club can't be fixed in one year of Arteta. Look at the success of Emery after he left Arsenal. Yeah, we, we've kind of covered this, but what I'll say is I'll say it's not the one game factor. This is um, an accumulative factor. This is a, a factor of last season. That's why, but for me, you know, I've gone a bit of on the offensive the last couple of days because some of the disrespect towards Arsenal and Arsenal players is getting too much now for me personally. I mean, it's, it's like, I'm not happy with the situation. I'm not happy with the manager, but when other clubs are taking a piss out of Arsenal, which they literally are. And then Arsenal fans are joining in, you know, when I read some of the comments under some of these viral videos from some, some channels that I've been going around, just mocking Arsenal, mocking our transfer business, mocking our manager, mocking our club and it's like I know we're not happy with our club but flipping X, someone's got to stand up for the club and I said the other day you know it, for me it should be X players that just put their foot down and be like no you can't talk about uh, but X players are are kicking it from Manuel Petit's doing his two-footed in uh, Gal- you know, I'm so gallus some other players will come and put their two-foot in but 
it's the sign of the times, you know. Arteta, if you know, he has to he has to be a big man. He always says it himself. He pat, you know, when he's doing his press conferences. I watch all these press conferences, and he starts banging his chest, and he says, "Me, it's on me." You know, he has to take it. He has to be. He's a, he's in the big boy seat now. He can't complain. You know, if the results are not good, if the performances are not good, he has to stand up for it. Whether it's one game, whether it's two games, you cannot. You cannot look at it and say, okay, we lost to Brentford, we lost to Chelsea and Man City because we expect to, and we're at zero out of nine points after the first three games, and every Arsenal fan should be all right with that. No, they shouldn't be all right with that. We we should we should expect more from our club as well, but we have to stand up for our club. That's what I will always say. We have to stand up for the club as well. Very true. Right, one for you, Carl, from at sharp underscore Escher, an arranger of loops. In the light of the news about Alba, Lacker, Runnison and William having or had COVID and missing Brentford, does the fan base jump to conclusions too quickly and why? Because it's the sign of the times. It's, it's, it's what happens. Um <sighs> I don't know what protocols are in club in place now. There's no restrictions, you know, in the UK at the moment. So, you know, the players are free to kind of do whatever they want. I'm sure within reason, um, but the players are kind of free to do what they want. Um, Clearly, it's gone around um, the training ground because I I can't see uh, Ranison, Aubameyang and like I said ever hanging out together like going down the pub for some drinks so clearly you know it's happening in the training ground um, I, I never jump to conclusions because there's no Arsenal find it hard to sell players at the better times we're not going to sell Aubameyang and Lacazette at, during one transfer window never ever in the month of Sundays is it going to happen Um why would you not play Runnison? Like for me, when Runnison was in the squad, you knew something was up because, again, Runnison is the number one. So, so sorry, number two. Scary fault. Um, he's the, the number two. So you knew it was some sort of illness when those three are playing. And you know, COVID affects different pe- people in different ways. I'm sure that like, people listening to this have lost loved ones uh, with COVID. But these are supreme athletes. So I'm hoping that they make a full recovery. It's Arsenal. We're always going to have speculation about our club, no matter what. We could sign Messi and Ronaldo and there'll always be speculation about our club that something different's happened. It's just Arsenal. We're an easy target. Like I saw um, Gabriel Banglahor saying that he was he loved to play against his Arsenal defence because he'd have uh, a good time. This is the guy, and I looked at the stats, and um, um, our, our friend Jace, uh, we tweeted it. This guy scored something like, he's, he played like 300 and odd games and scored something stupid, like 75 goals, and scored one goal against Arsenal. And you think that you would love to play against this defence? 
87 goals in 391 games for Villa. Fucking ridiculous. There's, 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 I mean, it's just stupid people plucking out of like you're plucking these random mixed players out of the air and just chatting shit. And it is blatantly shit. Gabriel Bonnehor is not scoring goals against Arsenal. Like it's not gonna happen. Like I think Gabriel Zabongahor biggest claim to fame was one game, but then he fall over the hoardings one time and then some guy took his camera out and took a picture of him <laughs> as he was laying on the floor. I think that's his biggest claim to fame. So really, Gabriel Bongahor, fuck you, you prick. Like I bet you love to play. And this is the and this is the thing. Arsenal are an easy target. It's an easy target for people, these random ex-players to come out and, and talk nonsense. And I think it was only someone like Michael Thomas, who then tweeted to say something like, um, you didn't even get 100 goals in your career. I, was just, I can't remember the, the words that he used, but he said something along them lines. But that's what we need. We need more ex-players to come out. Because if that was Liverpool, do you really think that any ex-Liverpool player would allow someone like bon- Gabriel Bonglohar to chat shit like that? Would never happen. Would never happen. That's what we need. More ex-players to come out and call out these bullshit media outlets and I'm not going to name them. We all know who it is, but you know, to, to call them out and say, "Let's not be stupid." And then that's it. So that's a, a no then from Carl. <laughs> right, one <laughs> for John. Um, one from uh, Matt L. Roberts, a fellow Barnet fan. See, he says, "Seems a bit silly, but what do you, what positions do you think need strengthening before the window closes?" And that was today. So that he's taking into consideration. The two that are going to happen in the next day or so. So okay, so discounting Odegaard and Ramsdale. Um, right, the the positions I would like strengthened uh, would be right back, striker, and I would probably like another centre mid. Did you see the Tierney? No, the uh, oh, Atletico Madrid right back, English Spurs. Not sure. Oh, uh, Trippier, yeah. No, yeah. Um, the great swap for Bellerin apparently. I'd, I'd happily take that. Um, the realistic, <clears throat> what I think could happen in this window, what's left of it, is probably um, a striker if Lacazette goes. I don't think we're going to get a right back just because we've got so many at the moment and trying to move out that many players and get another one in for that position. I don't know if we're going to have time. If they get a right back in and a striker and they move out the players we need, that's that's like the best window Arsenal have had in fucking hell. I can't remember how long. That would be amazing. Um, I don't think they'll get another centre mid for now. There's still talk about a while, but I don't know. Like we, like everyone's gone cold on him all of a sudden. It's crazy, isn't summer, it? Two years ago, it was every, like, everybody wanted him. Like everybody wanted him. And now nobody wants to take him for 20 million quid. It's like yeah. something very strange going on there. Um so, yeah, I, I think if we get another player in, the next position is probably going to be striker, and that's if Lacazette and Lacazette and or Enketia go. Um, I think Enketia will go. I'm not sure if we'll get someone for Lacazette or not yet. But I can't see anyone else. But I would like uh, like uh, a first-choice right-back as well. Um, but there are cause... lots of teams that want to do swap deals with stuff like Barcelona can't there. Gerard Piquet took a, a 50 cent wage cut yeah. from 210,000 to 105. He said, I love this club and yeah. I, I did what needed to be done. They still haven't got enough um, yeah. wage allocation to uh, let Aguero sign. Yeah, he, so won't, that... he won't be registered till January, I think they said, basically. So he's looking so much to do to get off the wage bill. 
he's looking to leave and so they're <clears> looking <throat> to swap players but so yeah. the, young going there but he's on what two three hundred grand a week here he's never going to take yeah. fit half of that to go there uh, Pjanic looks like he's going back to Juve and he's going to take a wage cut to go there. And He's on about 400 grand a week. So yeah, so he's going to take a wage cut to go there um, and Barca are going to pay out some money or whatever, but he gets the wage bill lower. And there's loads of one I need like to get that, rid of so. is Griezmann. I think he's the yeah. highest earner now. Yeah, he is now. But this, this is the thing. It's like I said earlier, I just think you'll get to the end of the window and there'll be a lot more deals done then. Whether we can get everything we want done in that short space of time, I don't know. But yeah, the, the striker name I'm hearing at the moment being banded around is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And the one thing I would say as well, very quickly, and I said it on the last podcast, I am convinced, and I will keep calling him this, Dick Garlic, uh, not Richard Garlic, I refuse to call him Richard. Dick Garlic's just a great name. Um, I'm convinced that he knows something about the Premier League changing rules in the next season or two, but homegrown quota, because the amount of English players we've been linked to is ridiculous. So he's definitely, I'm sure he's given him the inside track because he was working for the Premier League when he was on their commission or whatever for quite a few years. So with Brexit and everything else, I think that's why we're going for so many English players. You imagine, like I said before, the homegrown quota goes up three players, how much more the English premium tax will be higher than it was before. Ben White would have cost like 80 million or something stupid. It'd just be even higher than it already is. So... Um, I'd, I'd happily take Calvert Lewin if, if that's the player they go for. I think he'd get goals for us. We need to freshen up in that department. But the whole uh, the Latero Martinez thing, forget about it. Ain't happening. He's not leaving. No, wouldn't want him. Uh, I don't think he'd work. Right, uh, Sam in New York, who is many things in one apparently, uh, has asked, um, all of you can have the answer to this, but I only want a name. I don't want anything else because we're in a hurry. If Arteta was to be sacked, should we bring in a talisman coach like Conte or someone low-key like Potter? So go Femi Carl John. I would love the Ajax manager, Ten Hag. Oh, cheeky, Carl. I'm going to say the same. No, genuinely, exactly the same. Oh, um, John all hits to here. I, I'm picking one of the two uh, that he offered, and I would rather Potter than Conte. Oh, lovely! Right, um, Femi, question from you for you from CDN Guna. I think that's Canadian. So I've added uh, from his bio, just like our Jeff, he loves his family, and I think he put it in the right order as well. Have we had a game-changing keeper since Layman? Um, I mean, I, I like I, I I still have a soft spot for Wojciech Szczesny. Um, I know he had a little bit of a um. I'm still shocked that he left actually in in those circumstances. I I mean, I'd love to read a book on what that whole situation was because we had the, you know, he was a homegrown. He's only like 32 now, a homegrown keeper. He ticked all the boxes. He'd be, he loved the club. Um, and he had been here, you know, since the age of 16. Um, so for me, he's, he's one of my favourites. Um, but Jens Lehmann, oh, nah. I mean, it's it's very tough to get a keeper as good as Jens Lehmann and David Seaman. It's very, very tough, especially with their, their professionalism, their longevity in the game. Um, so the answer is... Not as good as Lehman, but I would say Chesney had the potential to be a, a great keeper. But you've got to remember the teams that they played in as well would have made them look a lot better as well. 
if if you stick Chesney in the defense for the in goal for the the, the Invincibles, he could have he could have easily have been as good as as Lehman. That's that's how I'll judge it really. Carl, we can hear whatever you're watching, or were you asleep? I'm not watching anything. Here, so I can hear something in the background. And you were looking at your phone. You can't. There's nothing on my screen. I'm watching. I don't know if you remember Phone Shop that used to come on Channel Four. That's yeah. my phone at the moment. He was in two episodes of that and the IT Crowd as well. It's one of Runner. the funniest yeah. TV programs ever, and I'm rewatching it at the moment. It still makes me laugh like, after all these years. But um, I'm a question. Same question. Should be a question for you, Carl, but I'm going to leave yours till last because then you can carry on with the ending of the show. So we did have a question from uh, from Tone. The truth hurts. It cracks mountains. At his Google Translate on that. He wanted to know um, at what stage will Arteta be sacked. We already covered that. So your question, John. Ryan Carter, a British bloke in Colorado, says, I like Pepe on the left and Saka on the right. Am I alone? If you can do that in less than an hour, I think Femi will thank you. Uh, yes, uh, I prefer it that way round as well. But if it's me, I'm playing Smith Rowe on the left, Erdegaard in the middle, and Saka on the right. And Pepe, you're on the bench because you have to be told you're a naughty boy, and then you perform better when you get brought on in the game. And you go, Look at me, Mikhail, please pay me. I'm playing better now. Also, mm-hmm. helps when you've got a fullback behind you that's playing properly. That means you have to put a Chris warning on the beginning of this show. Sad times. Um, you've unmuted yourself, Fem. Did you want to say something? How long do you give Pepe in those circumstances staying at the club if he's no longer first choice? Because with I said with Erdegaard coming in, I can see and he's signing a six year contract, by the way. <laughs> I can see Pepe leaving next summer because he won't get as much game time as we think he will. It, this is this is his season, he's gotta do it this year. If he don't do it, they've got to sell him. Yeah. What worries me is we saw last season he runs at people, they shit their pants, he zigzags better than any player, I, probably any better player in the Premier League. He confuses with, himself sometimes and loses the ball. He only did that a couple of times against Burnley, Brentford, Brentford, a couple of times, and the right hand side. It's like, when? Why don't you do this all the time? You are magnificent at it. You, but you scare them, you confuse them, you shimmy shammy. And then you're off. And doesn't do it. You got any thought on that, Carl? I think you the problem is you're not going to get more than 30 million for him anywhere in Europe. And that's if he has uh, a good the market and if the market's still the same, it, so the loss that we will take on him will be absolutely astronomical. But if it gets his condom semen, he must be on the high one hundreds uh, on wages, if not possibly two. Uh, if he gets off the wages, then kind of have to write off as a loss and then get someone else in that can do the job. I'm still holding out hope that um, somehow uh, this season... Yes, shut up, John. You know what I'm going to say, yes, because our PSG's wage bill is astronomical. You can easily bring in Draxler and he would do an absolutely fantastic job. He scored last week. Because he's fucking brilliant, and he would be brilliant in an Arsenal shirt, and I would die on this hill. I would die on this hill. I want Jackstar in this squad. And Sebastian Frey, while you're at it, while you're talking nonsense, he's on 140 grand a week, Carl. So there you go. So, you should play him for successful dribbles. 
Uh, right, so uh, did John answer that? Yes, he did. Right, final question from the Swedish Freddy, who is Swedish and called Freddy, and he's a good follow on, on the Twitters. For you, Carl, when will we be happy as a, and united as a fan base? Uh, Freddy, I'm going to have to unfollow you now for such a stupid question. You know the answer's fucking never. <laughs> uh, Silly boy. Little things please us. If we finish above Tottenham this season, I guarantee we'll be flipping happy. And, and that's the truth. Conference League. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, <laughs> uh, if we finish above Tottenham this season, that will make us happy. I, I think it will. I think it will. I mean, if we win a trophy this season, it will make us happy. Even if we won the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup, if we won one of those cups, finish above Tottenham, we'll be happy. Because at least it's a base. And then I can see where John's positivity is coming from. I can see that, yes, we 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 started to build dedication taking it. <laughs> but yeah, no. for the first time in 20 years he's not had the pox. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's um really simple things. Finish about Tottenham, beating Tottenham. If we beat Tottenham when we play them next month, that will make us happy. It, it, Jane, even if that's our first win of the season, you're gonna put money on it. Don't be so ridiculous. Um <laughs> That will make us happy. So just little things. Do you know what will make me happy, Danny? If you got on with it. That and the last game of the the last day of the transfer market and for some unknown reason, Sky outside the Emirates and you just see Julian Draxler come outside with his shirt and just holding it up. And do you know what I would do? I would personally FaceTime John and I will be... (laughs) My smile will be from ear to ear, just smiling. And all I will say, oh, do you want me to say anything? I'll just say, my smile will just say, I told you so, because that will be it. And you get dragged to the sticky teddy and go, hello, John. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, I'm sticking it right back, Carl, so you'll fucking hate it anyway. So we'll worry. Probably true. No, that's, that's the thing. No, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> anyway, uh, this was an absolutely lovely discussion. Um, we've turn a negative result into a positive. We're about to sign two players, whether you like them or not, we, we've got to support them. And people, if you're fucking messaging players that we haven't even signed yet on social media, I turn that time for the club. Just fuck off. Like, stop being stupid. Like, because, do you know, the worst thing is you're not doing that to his face. And as normal with people with social media account, football Abbey Twitter, as I call them, because that's what they are. They don't show their real face. Like you're, you're texting or messaging people saying, don't sound for my club, I don't want you. Come on. You've got to back players. Like, yes, we're getting Ramsdale. He may not be the person that you want, but he's a person that's going to be our number one for a few seasons. And we're getting Odegaard for a steal at 30 million. The guy is going to transform. The guy's going to change the way we play. I'm not saying he's going to transform us, but he's going to change the way we play. And you've got to support the players who are here. Like, even if you don't like them, they're, they're an Arsenal player. you just got to back them and support them. If you want to have a moan when we lose, fuck it, so be it. But don't need to abuse them. Just moan. Just every time we lose, direct every single piece of anger to KR, so to KC runs. Every single piece of anger that you have, just direct it to Chris. Chris will happily take it all, take all the abuse. You seen the trousers that he wears? That's a man that's used to being abused. Trust me. Like I have no other words. Anyway, uh, I want to thank everyone today. Femi, thank you for turning up today. Thank you, guys. Can I just say also on that last point that you made, uh, not to 
if you if you're gonna if you listen, football's for enjoyment. If you're gonna behave like this about football, you're just you're killing yourself. To be honest with you, you're you're making yourself miserable. If you love a football club, they're not going anywhere. These players have been signed for years. They're not going anywhere. If you're just going to abuse players and abuse and abuse and hate, you're you're going to hate your own life. To be honest with you, that's that's my parting message. See, listen to Femi. The man knows. Uh, I want to thank John as well, and hopefully one day those rose-tinted glasses may come off, but no time in any time in the near future. But John, you are a, a shining light of positivity. And when Draxler signs, I hope you are exactly the same. Uh, look, if, if we sign Draxler, I will cheer him on every single week. I will moan about him not doing what I want him to when he doesn't do it, but I will still cheer for him when he signs. And yeah, agree with the, the Ramsdale and the Odegaard stuff. If you're Sending them messages, honestly, please just fuck off. Instead, can you just send messages to Danny on Twitter about how he's an idiot for not watching The Sopranos? Watch after the pilot episode, and it gets really good. Even the pilot episode's good. You're missing the best television that has ever been made. You fucking moron! So you sound like Femi and the fucking Walking Dead. No way. And Danny. Watch the Sopranos, watch the Wire, and you always have. Well, don't shake your head at me. Oh, Wire is very good. It's magnificent. The Wire is the best TV program ever made. No, full that, stop. I think you find that is Lovejoy or Seinfeld. Yeah, on this though, I'm going to end the podcast um, and I get back to watching uh, Phone Shop. If you haven't watched it, people, watch Phone Shop on 4OD. You will laugh. It, it is so funny. It is unbelievable. And that is my uh, TV of the night. So, everyone, thank you for coming uh, and turning up and listening, everyone. And by the time you listen to this, we may have two new signings, of which uh, I hope that we all celebrate and enjoy. And next week we shall be on after we maybe we beat Chelsea and also beat West Brom because we're playing them on Wednesday I want to say I want to say Wednesday it's probably not it is it is Wednesday I got it right yes Wednesday away um sorry everyone enjoy your week um thumbs up on this podcast and remember like I said all the abuse abuse Danny abuse uh Chris just don't abuse the players that haven't even worn the shirt for Arsenal yet no, let's just support them. Um, as always, hashtag fuck Ellis, and I shall see everyone uh, next week. So take care. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>